greet each one of you in Jesus' name. It's been a very special service so far. And I trust we can continue to worship the, not the baby in the manger, but the Lord of heaven and earth. And he's with us here this morning. And I can feel in my heart that he's being adored. And I believe he, he's, uh, appreciates that. He's accepting our worship. This morning, what I'd like to share is our offering to God. And that's taken from Romans 12. I couldn't think of a more fitting passage than this passage as a scripture text for our offering to God. There's a little song that goes, what can I give him? Poor as I am. If I were a shepherd, I would bring him a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. And then there's two different endings. One says, but what can I give him? I'll give him my heart. I like the other one a little better. It says, so what I have, I'll give him. I'll give him my heart. What can I give him, poor as I am? Now, most of us here are fairly poor folks. We wouldn't be in the 1% bracket. So we're, uh, we, come, we come pretty poor to Christ, and you know, really everyone does. It doesn't matter if you're in the 1% bracket or not. If you're the 99% or the 1%, which I don't believe that I'm not here to be political this morning. But we come to God very poor, very undone. Romans 12.1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. We're this morning about putting emphasis on... Different parts of the verse. And this morning I'd like to take a good bit of time just to look at this verse. I beseech you, brethren. Paul is speaking here. And he knew what he's talking about. Um, he knew what it was like to come to God with his own works. And this morning I don't want to take away from the, the feel of the service so far. So far the, the adoration to Christ for his unspeakable gift. Um, Paul knew what it was like to come to Christ saying, you know, or come to God saying, I have a lot to give. I have a lot to offer. And finding out that, no, he didn't have a lot to offer. All, he said, in fact, later on, all that he has was as filthy rags or as dung. And so he's, he's, he's saying here, I beseech you, brethren, I beseech you by the mercies of God. Think a little bit of the mercies of God here. In the light of the mercies of God, I implore you. Psalms 145.8 says this, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. Compassion, slow to anger, great in mercy. That's the Lord. So Paul is saying, I beseech you by the mercies uh, that the God is extending to you. Um, present your bodies. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Thank you. This presenting of the bodies is, is going back to Paul's appealing to, or, or is a metaphor to the Judaism 
to, to them bringing out a presentable lamb out of the flock, a, a lamb that was pure, without blemish, without spot, a choice lamb, the best of their flock. He's, he's saying, I, I, I urge you by the mercies of God, present your bodies this way as a choice lamb uh, was, was pulled out for the yearly sacrifice. Give yourself that way. You know, that lamb would then be killed. It would be dressed. And then it would be laid on the altar. And the rest of the sacrifice would go forward. He's asking us to, to come that same way, to present our bodies a living sacrifice. Living, not dead. Living. We're to offer ourselves alive. Breathing with all our abilities. A living sacrifice. Holy, without flaw, without blemish, pure. And God is very aware of our humanity. He knows that we're but dust. And I pray that God will remember that many times, that I'm but dust, I'm but human. And we all, we all I think, come to God that way. We want him to want to make sure and... and other people in the Bible came to God that way, wanting to, to remind God that we're but, we're but man. <clears throat> God is not asking us to do the impossible, though. He's not asking us to do the impossible because he's made possible the impossible for us, like was explained this morning. God only asks us to give our all. Just like he asked Abraham to give his all, his only son Isaac. He asked us to give our all. Acceptable to God. Malachi 1.8. Malachi in this passage uh, laments how that the people of Israel are just making fun of God's offering, or bringing an offering to God. They, they, they're bringing maybe the worst the calls of the flock, what they didn't want. You know, instead of saying, well, that's my choice lamb out there, the choice ram, uh, there, and, and I'll give that to God, they were saying, well, I'll go find something I really don't need anyways and give it to God. And Malachi says this, and when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. You know, take it to your president. Take it to your local mayor. Would he like that? Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? You know, he brings it down to, we can't think that uh, God is going to be pleased with just a half-hearted or, you know, um, a somewhat sort of uh, dedication. He asks for our all. He asks for our best. When we say we'll give him our heart, it brings a huge amount of responsibility with it, a huge amount of commitment. He asks us to do better than our best. You look at the Beatitudes in Matthew 5 and 6, and that's not possible, humanly possible. Um, what Jesus asks us to do there is not humanly possible. It's better than our best. Outside of the grace of God empowering us, we can't do it. It's impossible to live up to that divine standard. But when we give our heart, God gives us his grace, his spirit, 
And we can give our best and more than our best because of his grace. Reasonable service. Which is your reasonable service? To give our heart, to present our bodies a living sacrifice, to endeavor by the grace and power of God to be pure in every phase of life, every area of life, whether it's in our thought life, in our dealing, our life on the internet, in the media, um, doesn't matter whatever part of our life it is, to endeavor to, to, um, to keep that pure and holy and, and a spotless sacrifice to God. That's only our reasonable offering. That's only what God expects of us and what's reasonable. He's saying here, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable to God which is your reasonable service our reasonable offering and then verse 2 do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God be transformed not conform but go a step further you can't not be conformed unless you're transformed I don't believe that's possible to not be conformed without the transforming work of, of Christ. Transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind, the making new of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Mind re renewal doesn't just happen. It takes dedication on our part, an offering to God of our time, our resources. He offered so much to us. It means reading, praying, reading the Bible, praying to God, understanding and doing. It means going against the flow at times. God's thought isn't, is usually not majority thought. You know, what everyone says, what everyone thinks, often isn't what God thinks, what he says. It's not the natural thought, the natural response often. So when all these different uh, responses to circumstances come our way, we need to go to the Bible, read, what does the Bible say about this? What does God have to say about this? And respond according to that instead of our natural thought. That's the transformation of the mind. It means going against our own personal desires and our, natural, our, own person, our own natural responses. Instead of conforming to what we think is the right way or feels like the right way, we, again, look to the Bible. What is the right way? Look to the person of Christ, the will of Christ. We willingly offer our mind, our being center of command. We willingly offer that to Christ to transform to be transformed from its inherent carnal nature to the nature of Christ. We offer that. That's our reasonable offering. And then think soberly, Romans 12.3. And I think of this when I interpret this, I think of thinking meekly. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one of the measure of faith. 
Let no man believe himself to be something special in and of himself. Let each member strive to find his or her place in the body of Christ and to the glory of God fulfill that function. Let each member think seriously of the other members in the body and appreciate them for what God's called them to do. And then Romans, uh, then verse 6, I'd like to look at that. 6, 7, and 8. Using our gifts for the service of God, offering our gifts to the service of God. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given us, let us use them. So he's saying here, we have different gifts. But what do we do with them? He said, use them. Put them to work. Whether it's in ministry, use them in ministering and teaching. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Life is more than bread, Jesus said. And his heart was grieved when he saw that the, the children of Israel, he said they were like sheep without a shepherd, each going their own way. They were downcast. They were depressed. And it says it grieved him. There was a reason for that. There was a reason that they were like sheep without a shepherd. Their leaders weren't living up to the task. People that had gifts weren't ministering. Um, there wasn't an out expressing of the will of God in their community. And Jesus said they're like sheep without a shepherd. Their God-given creativity is not being expressed, not being unopened. God expects us to, to be productive and to earn our bread. But there's a much larger reason for us to be here, and that's for us to minister to each other. You have the account of the rich man who decided to hog his resources and retire. You know, God didn't say that because he's so rich, I'm going to take his life. He's, it seems to me that he took his life because he hoarded his resources to himself. And instead of reaching out and helping his fellow man with these or, you know, continuing to, to employ whatever he was doing, this rich man decided it's all mine, it's over with. And God said, wait a minute, you're not being productive anymore. I'm going to take you. That's my take on that. And then we have the priest and the Levite who passed by on the other side. You know, they had the opportunity to help there. Uh, they didn't reach out. They didn't use their gifts, their resources to reach out. They passed by on the other side and left the, Samar left the uh, not the Samaritan, the Samaritan came along and helped out then. Left the, the beaten man there in the ditch. And then you have the rich man who, who lived sumptuously. He lived, you know, dressed in fine clothes every day and refused to see the need of his, of his poor fellow human being, Lazarus. It was a man that God had put on his doorstep to help. And he refused to do that. And God called him out of this life. He was, didn't meet the need that was put there. And then the blessed elder who refused to extend grace to his younger brother. You know, when God gives us gifts, when he gives us opportunities and abilities, he has a reason to give us these. He gave his gift, Jesus Christ, us, and he expects us to move on with that. It's, they're more given to us for, 
for more of a reason than just for us to have a good time with them. When he gives us relationships, he gives us to them, us to, them to us for a reason. He doesn't just bring people into our lives so we can feel good and feel cozy and, you know, so we can have cool, be cool to other people or whatever. No, he, he, he brings other people into our lives and relationships into our lives so that we can, so that we can uh, share Christ. There's no better way to use God's gifts than to compassionately point people, lead people, minister people, love people to the Creator who loves them more, infinitely more than we can ever love them or could ever imagine. There's no better way to use the gifts that God's given us than this. I'd like to, to read just a little story in closing. Um, and this is of K.P. Yohanan. I don't know how many of you have read this book, No Longer a Slum Dog. It's a good book. It's, I think, free if you go on the web, their website. Um, it's a good place to put some gifts if you have some to give. Um, th- this story here was an experience K.P. Yohanan had that he relates. And I'd like to read it and just think about, as I'm reading this, think about, you know, how that maybe God has brought somebody into your life. God has brought a need into your life. And it doesn't need to be physical. It can be spiritual. Spiritual needs are just as important. It can be the rich man that you work with. It can be somebody that's, you know, what you consider on a higher level of living than you are. But if they don't have Christ, remember, you have something to share. You have a wonderful gift to give to them, to point them to. But this involves poor children here. And he just relates this little story. There were little children everywhere. A common sight at many busy corners in Bombay. Tourists are cautioned not to give them anything because once you do, the others will all mob you. While I was at this corner feeling a bit annoyed by little hands grabbing at me, I heard from behind me the voice of a young girl. Sahib, sir. Sahib, my father died. My mother is sick. She can't beg anymore. I have a little brother who is very hungry. Would you please give me a few pennies so I can buy some bread and take it to him? The light turned green and everybody hurried on, but I couldn't move. What she said pierced my heart. I turned around and saw this young girl, not yet 10 years old. I will never forget her face, one of the most beautiful faces I have ever seen on, on a child. She had big brown eyes, thick black hair, almost the length of her body dirty fingernails, dust mingled with sweat running down her face. She was barefoot and in rags. She, stood, she just stood there with her hand extended. I put my hands in my pocket and took out all the money I could find and gave it to her. Then I walked on. Like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, I felt like an unseen stranger joined me on this emotional walk. The silent question he asked was deep and penetrating. So what do you think about the little beggar girl you just met? Is her life as valuable and precious as in the face of another young girl appeared in my mind's eye? I didn't know the name of the girl on the street, but I for certain knew the name of this new face. It was my own little daughter, Sarah. 
The question just hung in the air as I walked on. Is her life as valuable and precious as? And when I read this story, I had to think, you know, there's so many needs. We can't meet them all. We can't meet every individual need. But can we have the compassion of Christ? Can we have the love of Christ when we see these needs? Can we respond to the needs that come our way? And I don't believe God throws on us more than we can take. But when he brings these needs in, into our lives, what's our offering going to be? How are we going to respond? I believe the heart of God must bleed when he sees wonderful talent, resources, and potential goodwill wasted amongst his creation. We have differing gifts. Ministering, reaching into the lives to extend godly help, teaching, expounding pure doctrine, exhortation, admonishers, givers, those who are able to give in so many different ways. You may say, well, I don't have much money. You don't need much money. In fact, money might be the, money might not even be helpful. Um, it can be, but there's so many ways to give without giving money. Be merciful. Do all these things with benevolence, just like Christ was benevolent to us, how God was benevolent to us. He gave of himself. What can I give him? Poor as I am, if I were a shepherd, I would bring him a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. But that I have, I give him, I'll give him my heart. Giving Jesus our heart is only the reasonable offering. It's the right thing for us to do. It'll transform our lives. It'll bring meaning to our lives. It'll forever save us from the bondage of the devil here on this earth and the torments of eternal hell. It's a reasonable thing for us to do. I mean, it's more than reasonable. It's, it's a smart, wise choice. But then going across that, it will bring us peace on this earth. It will make us messengers of goodwill to men. And it will give us eternal reward in heaven. Don't you think that's reasonable for us just to jump at the chance? It's the good and infinitely wise choice for men to make. I believe that with all my heart this morning. Let's make the reasonable offering. God made the unreasonable offering to us. He gave us what I consider the unreasonable offering. He had no reason besides his own benevolence to come here and give of himself. We have every reason to give ourselves to Christ. Let's give him our hearts. God bless you.